0: Hey there, this is Erica Kelly, host of Southern Fried True Crime. I cover contemporary and historical cases, and I love listener suggestions. And like any good gossip, I'm interested in anyone and anything. Come join me as I explore the dark underbelly of the Deep South. I'm a one-woman show in a narrative format, kind of like sitting by the fire and listening to a story. So pull up a chair and subscribe if you're interested. I'd love to have you. You can find me on any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for Southern Fried True Crime. Until then, y'all take care. Hi, I'm Tasha Pierce, your favorite podcaster's favorite pod aunt. I host Sinister Silhouettes, a true crime and conspiracy podcast. Every Tuesday, I'm inviting you to pull up a chair, pour your favorite drink, and chat with me about all the crazy crap that goes on in this world. That's Sinister Silhouettes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you get your pod fix.
1: back to another episode of state of fear i'm your host james and with me always is my buddy my compadre my co-pilot mr chris
2: what's up guys this is chris tonight's episode is episode number 23 on the wonderful state of uh minnesota
1: yes the lovely land of ten thousand lakes that is correct wabasha
2: wabasha home man. of the grumpy old men man you know a lot about minnesota
1: I know a little you bit. You know a little Minnesota, a little tiny bit, a little tiny not, bit. Not a tiny, not a lot. I've been there a couple times, but not enough to you know sound like I know what
2: the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I just. Hey, you fooled me. Yeah. So, well, you know. Well, I know. I know even less about Minnesota than you do, but I did look up a few things. Sweet. So let's uh, let's discuss those now, shall we? Why not? Uh, so Minnesota gets its name from the Minnesota River. The word Minnesota is an anglicized form of the Sioux word. Minnesota, which means sky-tinted or cloudy water.
1: And while Minnesota is famous for its dense forests and plentiful bodies of water, 10,000 lakes, it's also home to two neighboring metropolitan centers, Minneapolis and St. Paul. A lot of times you hear them referred to in one thing anyway. They always say St. Paul, Minneapolis. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's also the home to one of the highest concentration of Fortune 500 companies, including Target, Best Buy, General Mills, and Lend Lakes. Target. Sorry, Target. <laughs> Many of its famous historical acts are include Bob Dylan.
1: Find in a world, find in a Prince. I can't
2: sing purple Dang Rain. it! The replacements Rain. and who's could do. Now, also one of your favorites, James. Jesse the Body Ventura. Who, what was he to Minnesota? He was their actual governor. Their 38th governor to be exact. Their 38th governor. From 99 to 2003. And
1: he is a no-nonsense hard-ass. I like that guy. He's
2: also no longer known as The Body. He's known as Jesse The Mind Ventura. The Mind. The Mind because of all his conspiratorial theories. Yes, which is a show I loved very much. Which, which Which show was that? Conspiracy Theory. Oh, I never saw it.
1: You never saw
2: it. I didn't watch a lot of TV after like 2000 and like, I don't know.
1: I don't blame you. 10. I don't blame you. Mostly but I streaming. saw that. I saw that and okay. I love because, you know, everybody knows I've mentioned in previous episodes, I am a conspiracy theorist of sorts. Not to the extreme, but I do have
2: my theories on You do enjoy a good tall tale or possible dark history, don't you? Especially when it comes to the government. The government. I don't trust them. It's also home to Mall of America, the biggest mall in the country. Yes. Uh, we are home to I the believe second. that is like three
1: miles long, isn't yeah, it, it?
2: I think it's pretty freaking, no, 4.3 miles to be
1: exact. 4.3 miles. That I'm going to say it's a heck a of lot a lot Yeah,
2: it's a lot of mall. Uh, it also has a proud history of literary history, um, including some of the greatest writers of our time, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Neil Gaiman, Laura Ingalls Wilder, who, of course, you know, was responsible for uh, Little House in the Prairie, one of the yeah. great TV shows growing up. Which with the absolutely fantastic, I Michael, just learned something there. I thought I thought that woman was fake. Nope, she, <laughs> that was that was. She actually, she's wrote real. It. Yeah, man. With the absolutely fantastic Michael London. great actor. R. Absolutely. All right, rest in peace. It's also where. Then Vice President Theodore Roosevelt made his now famous speak softly and carry a big stick speech at the 1901 Minnesota State Fair.
1: Yes, and in 1876, notorious outlaw and cousin of mine,
2: Jesse oh, James.
1: Yep, he's my cousin. I don't I don't know how far back, but he's he's my cousin comes up in my family tree. Okay. Uh and his gang were thwarted from robbing a bank in Northfield, Minnesota, which they did make a movie about called The Great Great Northfield, Minnesota Raid. From
2: 1972. Had to spit
1: that out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very
2: good movie. Yeah. Very good movie. Uh, Also, one of my favorite things of all time is from the Minneapolis area. Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, God bless them. Yeah. Three it's, of the funniest guys I've ever heard. It premiered on the Minneapolis Public Access Television in the late 1980s. Please
1: tell me it's three and not four. I think it's three guys, right? It's actually one guy and two puppets.
2: Well, that's, the, that's during yeah. the thing,
1: but behind the scenes, the voices, there's three. Of oh, them, yeah. Right?
2: There's three of them uh, that are the main ones, yeah. But
1: I'm going to tell you what, it's some of the finest entertainment I've ever seen. Those three guys are a hoot.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I love. Damn near every episode of uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000.
1: Absolutely. They even did one we did. uh, They did one on one of the movies we did
2: on our other podcast. Actually, a few of our uh, um, movies have been featured on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Ah. A lot of times that's how we find these shitty movies. (laughs) That's true enough. Uh, A lot of franchises have been filmed in Minnesota, including uh, The Mighty Ducks, but also uh, franchises like Grumpy Old Men. Yes. Uh, Purple Rain and Jingle All the Way are movies that have been made there like um,
1: Minnetonka.
2: Yeah. Many famous showbiz figures like Judy Garland, Terry Gilliam, Chris Pratt and Winona Ryder were born in Minnesota. fun fact, Ryder is actually named after the town of Winona, Minnesota.
1: Nice. So believe be nice. and believe it or not, Spam isn't actually manufactured in Hawaii. It's just imported. Interesting. Hormel Foods Corporation, which is based in Aust- in
2: Austin, Austin, Minnesota. Austin,
1: Minnesota. Yeah. There's another one. There okay. You go. Makes the popular canned meat product so Minnesota is responsible for spam. They also
2: have a min they also have a spam museum in Austin, Minnesota.
1: Man, I'm going. I gotta see it. I am going. They better hand out free spam when you go. I'm the spam is just, That's Yeah. It, man, it is awesome. And I mean some, other people might think it's gross, but I freaking love spam. I think it's it's pretty delicious. Good.
2: Yeah. Some cool inventions from Minnesota include the scotch tape, the bunt pan, rollerblades, Milky Way candy bars. <laughs> And the world's first practical pair of water skis were all invented in Minnesota. Sweet. Fun stuff from there. I can water ski and I love bunt cake. Man, you can water ski, eat a bunt cake while eating the Milky Way, and hopefully your your skis are scotch taped to your legs. Yeah. All that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're all set. All right. Well, that was fun, but why don't we go ahead and get into the weird story of the day? Why not?
1: Right, our story today is dated June twenty second, twenty twenty. So just a couple days ago, yep. at six ten p.m.
2: Man, down I to the time, like it.
1: down to the minute. I know. Uh, it also leaves our borders and travels to the small country of Indonesia. We are
2: going over abroad. Yay! I love traveling. Travel with us now. Let's go, everybody. Get on the plane. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> And we've landed. Okay, All right.
1: See, so now his plan, that's got to stay in. Yeah, it's definitely staying in. All right, cool. Title of the story is Indonesian Police Investigating Blood-Sucking Creature Rumored to Have Slaughtered Hundreds of Livestock. Ooh, spooky. Spooky. Sounds like the good old chupacabra to me. Sounds like it, but they don't make it that far, so I uh, think of something else. Well, let's dig into it let's here. find out. A village in North Sumatra, Pohan Tonga village, is terrorized by an unidentified creature that has killed hundreds of livestock, including ducks, chickens, and pigs, and apparently sucked their blood, reported by Indonesian media outlet Antara. According to other Indonesian media outlet Kampuran, villagers believe that the creature responsible for the killings is a palasic, known in Singapore as a pananagal In local folklore, a pelasic is a creature that flies around with just its head, spine, and internal organs. Lovely. Oh, sweet. It usually roams at night, of course it does, and feasts on dead babies or unborn th-
2: fetuses, but they misspelled that <laughs> or they spelled it <laughs> the British they way.
1: FOTUS. FOTUSES. <laughs> <laughs> a photuses. Okay. It usually roams at night, of course, and feasts on dead babies or unborn fetuses.
2: Lovely. How macabre. Man, that's some sort of a legend they got going on there. Go on.
1: The creature only sucked livestock's blood. A villager who owns the dead livestock, Sanj Simon Jungtak forty seven, told Antara how he had found one of his pigs dead with multiple stab wounds to the neck and with a long incision into the abdomen. That sounds more like uh devil worshippers. Pretty nasty. Like
2: sacrificial type stuff.
1: Yeah. It does indeed. He does not know what caused the death of the pig, but said the, I would say the stab wound. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, geez. But, But said the creature responsible sucked the blood of its victim. He added that it was strange how the 25-kilogram pig had been lifted out of its enclosure and carried to the banks of the river some distance away.
2: Bigfoot. I'm calling it Bigfoot now. Now. Okay. It's the the Indonesian version of Bigfoot. (laughs) A spokesperson for the
1: region's Natural Resources Conservation Agency revealed that based on current evidence, the creature is believed to have five claws.
2: Okay, wait, 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 wait. So it can't be the 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 uh, Palisic because it's supposed to be just a head that floats around with organs there's no there's no claws on it
1: doesn't it have like three talons or something like I that I don't think
2: so I think it just said just organs like there's there's no legs or arms uh, that are, yeah it's spine and internal organs that's it so yeah Jeez, it can't be that How lovely
1: yeah however, they cannot confirm what the creature responsible is until it has been found
2: seems obvious. The problem is
1: they're not going to find the damn thing. Although they suspect it could be a bear. <laughs>
2: it's much more Really? Mean,
1: it's either a bear. Uh, I mean, we go from a flying skinless organ.
2: monster to a bear. <laughs> it's either <Yeah. laughs> something floating around with internal organs <laughs> dangling or a bear. There's no one between. It's either one of those two.
1: Hey, I'm going with the dude with his gut showing.
2: I think I will go with that too.
1: Volunteers hunt and police investigations are underway. Antara has also said that volunteers have gone on a quote-unquote hunt to investigate the livestock deaths. One of the volunteers said that the creature responsible is believed to be large and strong. According to Kamparan police spokesperson Walpon Baringman said, quote, The police will conduct an investigation related to the death of hundreds of livestock by a blood-sucking creature to find out what the cause of death was and will work alongside the region's Natural Resources Conservation Agency. Baringman also also added that since the attacks of the livestock occur at night, of course they do. Then that's you know so people don't get caught. Exactly. The investigation will be focused on that time frame.
2: Man, ingenious. I mean, bears do some hunting at night, I'm sure as well. So uh, I don't think it's a bear, though. I think I think I think it's a palasik or a pen penandang. Okay, I'm gonna go with the palasik. I like the name because of because I want it to be a crazy ass creature with no skin. Just a head, a spine and internal organs. That's and it. And claws. Yeah. yeah. Gotta have some claws. But five. It doesn't them, have claws. According to this five. Yeah. Somehow it's it's maybe it's using its teeth, maybe it's using its internal organs to use as claws.
1: But that is a that is a crazy story. It's one that goes right along with the lines of the kind of stuff we like anyway.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, and it's definitely um different. For sure. <laughs> but I always All love right. I always love hearing stories from other countries about things like that because, you know well, the weird news. There's no. There's no rules. No, no Weird, no news.
1: Rules, so weird no. news can happen anywhere. Any I mean We've done. God knows how many. Yeah. From the uh, UK already. Oh yeah. The, you know. Yeah. There's European all kinds of weird region. stuff going on. in the so, UK absolutely. people over there are
2: freaking weird. Um. <laughs> 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 okay. Good
0: morning, Vietnam. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Be Nostalgic. I'm your host, Beatrice Lopez, and as always, here's my husband, my co-host, Andrew McGuire! Hello! Hey!
1: Good. I'm sure
2: at some time in his life, he has dressed up as Batman for his own personal <laughs> happiness or for, like, Halloween. I it's stole the baby!
0: baby! Roger Rabbit has this line that says, all we want to do is make people laugh. Mm-hmm. Now, do they have the knowledge that people die from laughing? much because I could see. He's like, does he want to murder everyone with laughter?
2: <laughs> or, they enjoy, sick. or they enjoy laughter but know they can't make their own kind laugh too much so they... They make yeah. other people laugh. Yeah. yeah. They're, they don't die. Aww.
1: That's not in the movie. It's not. You have to look it up yourself. Yeah. It's the DIY project. Yeah for this 1988 Internet Doesn't Exist movie.
2: today's episode and i am pretty excited about this one it's i guess you can call it sort of a a double header yeah because it's going to be it's the minnesota Iceman and woman very cool now quick tidbit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i do have a state fact oh let's
1: hear it between a small town in minnesota i don't know the names i apologize for that okay a small town in minnesota the town of gunnison colorado and I believe Anchorage, Alaska, All right. are the top three rotating coldest towns on record
2: really ever wow. in the United States. Holy cow.
1: Gunnison, of course, where I went to high school, mm-hmm. and we played in some pretty cold weather. The temperatures range anywhere from in the minus 20s to the minus 50s in these places on an average basis, meaning sometimes it actually gets way colder than that. Okay. And the coldest I, re- I think I've ever been in in Gunnison, because I haven't been to this place in Minnesota, nor have I been to Anchorage. Okay. I think it's Anchorage, but I know it's somewhere up there. I apologize for my geographical... You know, lack of geography, lack of knowledge. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. But I do know that it's those three states. But any, and the only reason I know about Gunnison is because I lived there, you know, or I went to school there, should I say.
2: That's very interesting. I didn't know that. But I
1: believe the coldest weather I've ever been in Gunnison was minus 74 degrees. Interesting. I remember it was minus 74. And that was brutal. Okay. I mean, absolutely brutal. I mean, that's the kind of weather, you know, I mean, it doesn't even have to be that cold, but you take water outside, it freezes in Instantly. seconds. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, it's it's brutally cold. That's the kind of weather you don't pee outside in. I mean, the 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 water you know, the freeze plugs were popping in all the engine yeah. blocks because antifreeze couldn't keep up with it. None it was that's it was pretty nasty.
2: Well, the Minnesota Iceman is a pretty well known cryptozoological story. Uh <clears throat> It's a six-foot-tall, hairy ape man lying on his back in a block of ice. (laughs) Inside of a large freezer sealed with a thick pane of glass on top. Some of the ice was clear, some was murky, but enough could be seen to make out its basic features. Its face had an upturned nose with large nostrils, and one of its eyes was dislodged as part of an apparent head wound. Uh Uh-oh. Its left hand was thrown up over its head, while its right hand was oddly holding its penis up against its abdomen. That's... (laughs) That sounds like how I sleep. Um, uh, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's introduction to the world was inauspicious. It was on the carnival and a sideshow circuit. One day in November in 1968, a young naturalist at the University of Minnesota, Terry Cullen, was having a scholarly look at the animals on display at the International Livestock Exhibit in Chicago. His attention was drawn to Carnival Barker Frank D. Hansen, displaying what he described as the Cyberskoi creature. Colin was intrigued. Indeed, he was enthralled. For the requested 35 cents, wow. That's, uh, man. I 35 wish... cents and 68? 35 cents, man. That's, was that's... that in 68? 68. It's like 10 bucks now. About $10. Yeah. <laughs> he studied it as thoroughly as circumstances permitted and concluded that it was indeed a real body. Now, one of the leading authors on Bigfoot and Abominable Snowman at the time was Ivan T. Sanderson. He was a noted naturalist and occultist, believe it or not. Those are two oddly different things, but hey. Yes, they are. And Colin knew of him through reading some of his articles and books. So, Colin contacted uh, Ivan T. Sanderson about the creature and told him to come down and see it. Now, when Sanderson got the word, he was hosting an assorted group of occultists and paranormalists, as he often did, on his New Jersey property nicknamed The Farm. Among them happened to be the father of cryptozoology, the Belgian-French zoologist Bernard Hovelmans. Sanderson and Hovelmans immediately went to go see Hansen and on December 17th found themselves face-to-face with the cyberscoid creature. Hansen claimed that the body had been discovered floating in a block of ice off the Siberian coast by a Russian seal-hunting vessel. Later, he changed the story and said that a Japanese whaling ship had found the body. Later still, he changed it a third time, and he said that it had been found in a deep freeze facility in Hong Kong. That's almost believable. You think so? That old wet market stuff? Oh, yeah. They find anything there, I guess. They, huh? they eat damn near anything. Who knows? Man, they almost ate some Bigfoot they trying to eat right, a huh? Bigfoot. Yep. Be, yep. And later still, it was said that the animal had been shot on a hunting trip in the White Face Reservoir region of Minnesota. Could account for the head wound. Yeah. You never know. For all these suggestions, the most popular idea about the body's origin was that it was collected in Vietnam and flown to the US in a body bag. Okay, time out. Yeah. At
1: what point of the year does Vietnam get cold enough to freeze something in a block of ice? Well,
2: uh I don't think it was was it they said it was frozen? No, I think it was it was collected, it was shot and killed in Vietnam and then later put into a a block of into, put really? into a block of ice to, and frozen and brought over. Yeah. I think that's it's what it's indicating. Not not that it was found huh. frozen in there, but okay. that it was killed and collected in Vietnam.
1: Gotcha. Because I thought it was found that way, not put into that state. But then again, that's the fourth story. So who the hell knows
2: what's yeah, true? You I know? guess not. Helmhomens connected it with a story of a huge ape that was killed in Da Nang, Vietnam in 1966, which was supposedly close to where Hansen had been stationed during the war. It's their respective reporting of what they saw. Sanderson mainly to the Bigfoot community and hovelman's mainly to the European zoology community that launched the Minnesota Iceman into the pop culture consciousness. However, the two men saw the creature very differently. Like Cullen, Sanderson and hovelman's were both completely convinced of the creature's authenticity. They were satisfied that it was not a hoax, latex mannequin, or anything like that. hovelman's published in a prestigious Belgian journal his theory that the Iceman was a new species, which he named... Homo Pungoides, that had evolved backwards from Neanderthal and became more ape-like. Interesting that it went backwards, huh? Hmm. It evolved. Sanderson, meanwhile, wrote an article for an Italian journal forwarding the theory that the Iceman would likely turn out to be relative of Gigantopithecus. Well, ain't that interesting. But Sanderson also worked at the Iceman from another angle. He was so convinced that this was a real creature of great zoological importance that it should be rescued from the Carnival Circuit and transferred into the hands of authorities. He decided that getting Hanson busted for breaking some law would be the easiest way to do this. What a jerk. So, Sanderson alerted the Bureau of Customs, the Department of Agriculture, the Department of the Interior, and the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. He really was trying to get the known, guy busted, man. Known better to us as the government. The government. Always getting involved, man. Yep. He also brought the case to his contacts at the Smithsonian Institution, whereupon its secretary, Dylan Ripley, reported to the FBI—in fact, he wrote to J. Edgar Hoover personally—that Hansen was transporting a corpse across state lines and that a scientific journal had identified the corpse as a human who had been shot— Man, that is some dirty, dirty dealings That's right there, low man. low down. Low. No. It was a very close shave for Frank Hansen because nothing ever really came from the Sanderson reports.
1: Close shave for you younger people means it was just a close call.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Apparently, none of the government...
1: Pe- <laughs> youngins ain't going to know no, what that means.
2: Close shave? What the hell are they talking about? Apparently, none of the government agencies were too concerned about a sideshow attraction. However, Dr. John Napier, director of primate biology at the Smithsonian Institution... Did want to see the creature for himself and wrote to Hanson to ask if he could. Apparently Hanson had been spooked by all the unwanted attention because the reply that Napier received was from a quote-unquote family member saying that Hanson had disappeared to quote-unquote Florida or California or somewhere and was unreachable. And that the Iceman's true owner had reclaimed it, so it was now permanently gone.
1: Horseshit, Hansen was standing behind the couch, waving his arms in the air, like, Don't tell him I'm here! <laughs> Don't tell him I'm here!
2: I'm not here! Hang I'm up! Not here. Yeah, exactly. And from that moment on, Hansen responded to every official or scientific inquiry with the claim that what he was exhibiting was merely a rubber model made to look like the original. Upon learning that Hansen told Napier the current Iceman was just a replica, Sanderson compared their photos from the original viewing against newly published newspaper photos of the version he now claimed was a rubber replacement. He found that the patterns of the ice crystals under the glass were the same, and also it appeared to be in the exact same freezer unit. He didn't believe that Hansen had sent the original back to an apocryphal owner and then contrived a replacement that would have matched these details in every single way. Hovelmans felt the same way and wrote, quote, I was the only one to believe that it's still an actual corpse. True, I had a definite advantage over everyone else. I was the only one to have many excellent photos of the original exhibit. I had been sent a few color slides of Hansen's new exhibit. After a comparison of my own, I had to agree with the evidence. This was the same and only specimen. 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 <laughs> By April, just four months after the Iceman first appeared, Napier reported to the world that the Smithsonian no longer took any part of the story seriously. In a final footnote, the June 1969 issue of the Smithsonian Torch reported that the Iceman was, quote, made from rubber latex and hair by a group of exhibit specialists on the west coast, end quote, for the cost of $3,500, a priceless sum in the mid-1960s. Shortly after that, the Iceman disappeared and stayed missing until 2013. Enter Steve Busty. In early 2013, after having researched the location of the Iceman for the previous two years, Boosty found that the original exhibitor, Frank Hansen, had it in a freezer at his home for decades after his last showing. That's just whack. But you know what? He, he was scared of being being arrested like for Like I said, he was murder. behind the
1: couch waving his hands.
2: Hey, you know I'm what? not here. Because the government. The government? It's still unclear why the creature's tour ended abruptly. Somehow, Hansen managed to keep the Iceman out of the public eye until he died about 10 years ago.
1: Perhaps because another jackass was trying to frame him? Probably, yeah. He was so t- he just I mean, shut there's, it
2: down. There's no, there's no statute limitations on murder, so he can be charged anytime if that was the fact. Yeah, because if that was the case,
1: you know, whack somebody and go disappear in the mountains for 10 years, come down. Ha <laughs> ha!
2: Exactly. Enough. Busty learned that rumors of the Minnesota Iceman being discovered in Siberia were untrue. Hansen shot it in Wisconsin, its eyeballs blown out and its arm is broken, Busty told HuffPost Weird News. I couldn't believe it had been in Minnesota the entire time, in quote. After Busty purchased it in 2013, he displayed it for all to see in his Museum of the Weird in Austin, Texas. Wait a minute, that's here? Where as of today, June 25th, 2020, it can still be viewed. We're going to Austin, brother. I've already seen it. You have seen it? I went in 2000 and I want to say fifteen. Well, damn! I went to Austin for a weekend trip, cool. and I made it a a um, definite stop to go to the Museum of the Weird, which is on Sixth Street. Wait a minute,
1: that's the one we tried to get to travel to our event. That is the one, yeah. That is the one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I
2: okay. went there, and I went there and made a purpose, to, made a, a exact beeline to go see because it it's on Sixth Street. Okay. Um, they have not just that, but they have like. They have a ton of uh, props from horror movies like Gremlins, yeah. Dracula, things like that. Neat place. But they have, I and I saw the uh, Iceman. Nice. Live and in person. Very you cool. can't take pictures. They don't allow pictures. I couldn't take any pictures of, of it. Of course not. But it was pretty cool to see something of history right there in Austin. That is very cool. And it was really neat to see it in person. That Man. Yeah. Well, yeah, we need, got, we need yeah, to take a trip out, out there for out. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So. That is the story of the rather infamous and famous Minnesota Iceman. Now, now we are going flipping to, the script. We are going to get into the story of the Minnesota Icewoman, which is not her official name. Not her official name, but I call her that. This is one cool story. State of Fear is calling her the Minnesota Icewoman, and you will find out why as we get into the story. But the main topic wanted to be, I wanted it to be this, but I thought it'd be a cool pairing to do the actual Minnesota Iceman and pair it with the quote-unquote Minnesota Ice Woman. Absolutely. So let's get into that story, shall we? Yes, sir. Okay. The night of December 20, 1980, was a cold one in the small town of Langby, Minnesota.
1: Yeah, December in Minnesota, I guarantee it cold.
2: cold. When 19-year-old Jean Hilliard had gone into town to meet some friends for dancing and drinking. She met up with her then-boyfriend, Paul, danced for a few hours, and decided to head home about midnight. Temperature had dropped to negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit when Jean decided to try a shortcut on a gravel road just south of town. Not smart. That's a bad, very, very bad time to try a shortcut. Right, as Spock would say, unwise. Yeah. Yes. Suddenly, the car she was driving, her dad's Ford LTD, lost traction, slid into a ditch, and became trapped in a snowbank on the edge of the White Earth Indian Reservation. Ford. <laughs> Once she realized the car wasn't going anywhere... She looked around and noticed a farmhouse a short distance away. Can she make it? She decided to head there to seek shelter in, from the storm. She grabbed her mittens and winter coat from the car, but left her hat, believing she wouldn't be out in the storm long enough to need it. When she got to the farmhouse, no one was home. She then went over a hill to find another farm, only to find that one empty. She then remembered that her boyfriend's best friend, Wally Nelson, lived nearby and so she began the two-mile hike to his house. Oh, yay. Oh, yeah. Man, I would go back to the car because at that point, I say, I'd be freezing. At
1: least you can stay in the car, even if it's in the ditch with a broken axle or whatever the hell. Yeah. And run the engine and run the heater. Yeah. And turn your flashers on and your headlights or whatever. And, yes. And honk your horn.
2: Yes. For
1: help. At that point, two houses, out of luck. I would go back to the car. But then again, if she exhibited those kind of smarts,
2: we wouldn't be reading this story right That's now. That's True. As she made her way through the snow to his house, she would end up falling several times because it was cold. And icy. Hello. And it's a tough territory to take in the cold. Yes, it is. Finally, she saw his mailbox and made a dash for the door. A dash. (laughs) Is that where the app DoorDash gets its name from? Anyway. I don't don't know. (laughs) She would trip and fall again and begin to crawl on her hands and knees, stopping just 15 feet from the front door. Nelson found her the next day at 7 a.m. as he headed out for work. She had been in the snow for six over six hours. And at minus
1: 22 degrees, which,
2: if it was minus 22 minus
1: twenty-two when she, she was doing all this, I guarantee you it got at least 20 lower. or 30
2: degrees colder oh, overnight. Yeah. yeah, easily dropped down. Yeesh. Nelson grabbed her by the collar and pulled her onto the porch. Slid. Oh, yes, yeah, slid Shit. her onto the porch. He thought she was dead and described her as, quote, Stiffer than a board, her face was ghost white. But then I heard a slight moan and saw some bubbles coming out of her nose. Oh, poor thing. Quote. I know.
1: I don't mean to giggle, but golly, that poor thing, that, that had to have been a miserable
2: experience. i had to have been scary, too, all of a sudden to see the, the bubbles yeah. coming out. He asked the girl he ended up taking home that night to help him get Jean into his car to rush her to the hospital. Jean was so stiff that Nelson was unable to bend any of her joints and had to put her in his date's car to do so. What? <laughs> Help
1: me get this frozen bitch in the car, quick.
2: <laughs> they drove Jean to Foston Hospital where the doctors did not have high hopes for her recovery. Jean's body was so frozen that the staff could not penetrate her skin with an IV and they kept breaking needles. Wow. Her temperature was so low, below 80 degrees Fahrenheit, that it would not register on a thermometer. Holy shit. They couldn't find a pulse. Her body was too frozen to find any blood pressure. Her eyebrows were frozen solid. And her feet had frozen to the shape of the cowboy boots she was wearing that night. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Her breathing was down to two to three times a minute, and her heart beat faintly only eight times a minute. That's crazy. I mean, that's... She should... Man. That is insane. I mean, can you imagine eyeballs frozen, feet frozen to the shape of your cowboy boots? Yeah. Man. And just your heart beating faintly only eight times a minute. Just, you know,
1: slowed to a crawl because it was probably pumping... Maple syrup, because her blood was probably thicker than, I mean,
2: molasses thick. What's funny is that this is actually a way certain frogs hibernate. This is true. They They, basically freeze. They freeze themselves for the entire winter, and then when summer comes, they they melt and and they thaw. And they go on about their business. But frogs are cold-blooded. That is true. They can take it. They can take it. Humans are not.
1: Humans are not built that way. Apparently, this woman's pretty damn tough. She's though. like I, I, I think give her she's mad frog. I give her mad props. Oh my gosh, she's
2: a reptilian from outer space. That's why I know. I called it. She's a reptilian. That's it. Hey, state of fear. That's what we do. The attending physician, Doctor George Sather, initially thought she was dead until they picked up an extremely faint whimper. They immediately gave Gene oxygen and began wrapping her in electric heating pads. By mid-morning, Jean began to spasm as her body temperature rose. Later that afternoon, as they began to administer intravenous feeding, a prayer chain was initiated by pastors of the local Lutheran, Catholic, Methodist, and Bethel Assembly churches in Faustin. The prayer chain extended into nearby towns of Crookston, Bemidji, and into Grand Forks, North Dakota. Many people, including Jean, credit the complete recovery to this prayer chain of thousands. The heating pads came off later that night when her body temperature reached 98.6 degrees. Jean was beginning to come around, even talking coherently. One of the first things she did was worry about her dad finding out about the car in the ditch. <laughs> I mean, talk about priorities, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs>
1: my eyeballs are frozen and I'm almost dead, but, you know. <laughs> Don't tell my dad Don't tell I my dad I wrecked car. the
2: car. Not the LTD. Uh, he'll never let me drive again. The doctors didn't have much hope for Jean surviving, at least not intact. They told her mother that she would probably lose her legs. However, as she began to improve, no signs of frostbite were left on her body. That is
1: amazing, because I was just going to say that. I was like, she had, I frostbite, mean, in that right? temperature, I mean, she would have been, her skin would have been solid black. from Solid head to black. toe. yeah. Done. You, you,
2: that's what you would think, yeah, I absolutely. mean, just frostbitten to death. And she suffered no brain damage from the ordeal. Wow. 49 days after Jean was found frozen alive, she walked out of the hospital with little more than blistered toes that were numb for a while suffered no lasting effects and would go on to live a normal life she has since married had kids divorced but she never drives on the icy roads at night i don't blame her now while this case may seem miraculous and you know really could be it really boils down to the simplest science of hibernation according to the university of minnesota professor of emergency medicine david plummer as the person cools down their blood flow slows way down, and their body requires less oxygen. If their blood flow increases at the same rate as their body warms up, they often recover. In emergency medicine, Plummer believes in the dictum: "No one is dead until they're warm and dead."
1: Okay, doc. You wanna go lay out in the uh, lay out in the cold for about eight hours overnight? Now, let's, from what I from, try to prove that theory.
2: What else I could find was that uh, it was actually like a set of perfect circumstances, like the the amount of cold and how fast she. Became frozen was at a, was at a, such a good rate that it literally put her body into cryogenics. Yes, it, it did. Put her body into hibernation because it was fast. It was almost like a flash freeze, and yeah. it perfectly preserved her as it was, which is why. There's no frostbite. Because frostbite happens when you're exposed to cold for a very, very long time. This is true. So, the, the rapid succession of freezing. So, I guess that's freezing.
1: why. Yeah. I was going to say, I guess that's why the no frostbite thing.
2: Yeah. Plus, she wasn't wet. She
1: just good literally yes. froze.
2: She was dry. Yes. She good was point. dry. If
1: she was wet, it would have been a lot be a worse. A whole lot worse. Yeah. For sure. Like I said, if the snow was melting on her and stuff. But she froze at such a rate. I'm just surprised because of the fact that the human body loses most of its heat out of the head and feet. Right. Right. And mostly of the head. I she, think ninety she, percent of your body heat leaves your head. And she had no hat. But she had no hat. No. But and yeah. You know, so I mean, so maybe if she had a hat, she might have actually froze to death. It might have kept a her point. It might have kept her alive a little bit longer than it took to basically put her brain out. You Again, know what I
2: mean? Another, another, another addition to the set of per- perfect circumstances. Maybe Absolutely. because she forgot her hat. It helped her survive.
1: This makes me curious, though. I think I'm going to look this up and see if I can find any related stories of people being frozen.
2: There actually is one. I
1: have heard of people going under ice in lakes and being under for 20, 30, 40 minutes, hours, Uh Uh and being found, pulled up, and revived. Right. Uh, As a matter of fact, they did that one movie about it here recently with that young boy that was underwater for 15 minutes in ice cold water. But when they found him, they brought him up yeah and brought and he was perfectly fine after that yeah so i guess i guess it's not too uncommon but those circumstances right there are really really i mean it uh, bless her heart what an ordeal i mean glad she made it but what 49 days in hospitals. hospital is a Brutal,
2: it is. It is. Uh, but man, but she survived with like with no loss of what a limb story or she toe. has to tell. Yeah, man. And and, and it, there was actually a uh, another story that, that came of a Pennsylvania man, Justin Smith, who also froze to death. He was out in the cold for twelve hours after passing out, and his body temperature got to a frosty sixty-eight degrees Fahrenheit. Woo! Yeah, drink a little much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, is that so what it, it was. It, I mean, <laughs> probably, but yeah, it, it's what happens. It's it's just a. Uh, it's not common but I mean this was one that I remember actually seeing on um Unsolved Mysteries. Wow. Yeah, they they profiled her story on Unsolved Mysteries. I think they called it a miracle because of the the prayer chain part of course. Absolutely. But uh also the uh the the very famous website Snopes, the hoax debunking website couldn't couldn't kill it. They they list it as true. They verified it. Okay. Because yeah. And of course all this account all this account came from Jean herself and her parents because she's like I guess still alive. Still, still, everything's still fine. So, wow. yeah. Wow. But yeah, so that's the uh, stories of the Minnesota Iceman and what we now a State of Fear call the Minnesota Ice Woman. Very, very cool. That's some crazy Love stuff, Love those right? stories, man. Those yeah. are great. Really cool stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's so interesting. I mean, Minnesota has a bunch of stuff that we could have done, but this was something that I had heard of a while back and I was like, I want to talk about more because I just found it so fascinating
1: and it's not mainstream. It's definitely not that's mainstream. That's exactly the point of what we try to do. Although some of the things we talk about might be a little bit more well-known. The obscure stuff that still is it's equally fun interesting. That yeah. is still equally as interesting yeah. as strange or scary. That's what I, I love about this. Yeah. Digging down and finding something that just not everybody knows about, you know? Exactly. It's very cool.
2: All right, James, why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find us if they want to look for us?
1: No problem, sir. I'll be glad to. All you right. can find us on the fourthhand.com media network along with our sister project, What the Suck. You can also find us on Instagram under State of Fear. And yes, you sir. can find us on Facebook under State of Fear. And I will be reinitiating our Twitter feed pretty soon.
2: Yeah, by the time this episode comes out, which I'm sure it'll already be up.
1: It'll probably already be up. Yeah, yeah. so
2: follow us on Twitter. And uh, tweet us some stories that you want to hear, or tweet us your personal encounter. Also, if you want your personal encounter to be played on the show, first of all, we'd love to do that. Absolutely love to do it. Second of all, you need to send us a audio file, either MP3 or Wave, to podcast at gmail.com. Include your name, the place it happened, and the rough estimate time it happened, and then tell us your story. And then email it to us at stateofyourpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If your story is longer than 10 minutes, there's a chance it won't go through. If that's the case, send us a message, let us know, and we will arrange a different way for your story to be sent to us so we can play it on the air.
1: Yes, and please remember, if you're listening to these episodes and we've already done the state that you're from or where your experience was, send it anyway because we will be back around to the other states we'll start right back with Alabama as soon as we get done with Wyoming we'll go right back to Alabama and go right through the chain again so send us your stories you
2: bet that's right love to have them alright man well I'm ready to head on to the next state how about you
1: yeah brother let's get on down the road what do you say alright guys we'll see you next time take care
0: Of movies, then you love the Movie Chef podcast. Whoa, whoa, what was that? That's my professional podcasting voice for the trailer. Well, you sound very stupid. Okay, well, we need to tell people that we're two movie fans who cook up movie-themed podcasts
2: and and, and special episodes on Sundays. Yeah, as well as movie menus of all our favorite topics and diving into internet rabbit holes. As well as movie news and trailer reactions every Thursday. And our sexual awakenings about Patrick Swayze. And our sexual awakenings... Wait, what? Listen, just tell them who we are, what we do, and where you can find us.
0: The Movie Chef Podcast, where we make a meal out of movies. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and more. Better? No. Hey there, this is Erica Kelly, host of Southern Fried True Crime. I cover contemporary and historical cases, and I love listener suggestions. And like any good gossip, I'm interested in anyone and anything. Come join me as I explore the dark underbelly of the Deep South. I'm a one-woman show in a narrative format, kind of like sitting by the fire and listening to a story. So pull up a chair and subscribe if you're interested. I'd love to have you. You can find me on any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for Southern Fried True Crime. Until then, y'all take care.